Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. I was recently in touch with an old friend whose family members turned on him. I used to know this family pretty well. At one point, the father passed away, and this friend of mine took over the family business. And with time, he actually developed the family business to a whole new level. He's a very kind-hearted person and very sharing of the resources with his family. But as as this old friend of mine succeeded, several of his family members turned on him. And their resentment grew. And in fact, they took some legal actions and they isolated him from the family, even as he continued to support them. At one point, his own mother stopped speaking with him. And so this once close family no longer celebrates Simchas together or even Mother's Day. And the friend has put a lot of resources into trying to deal with legal fallout Moreover, he was telling me that the circumstances have just led to a lot of discord in his life. And these are just events and feelings that have shook him that are really beyond his control. We're all familiar with times when our deck of card changes. We meet challenges that we didn't expect. How do we find hope in our challenging times that when we face those? If we delve into the words of Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, we're going to find an amazing thing. Because as Jewish people, we have a remarkable key that will allow us to find hope even when the rug is pulled from beneath our feet. Stay with me now, and I will share this key with you. Now on Tisha B'Av today, we listen to a Jewish voice from a distant past, the voice of Yirmiyahu. And Jeremiah asked a very basic question, Eicha, how? This expression of disbelief is an apt question for our times. As we read Eicha, we we enter into a dark and paradoxical world where God is like the enemy and mothers eat the flesh of their children. And in this dark world, Yirmiyahu declares, Ein menachem, there's no comfort. But if there's no comfort, of what use is Eicha? What can we possibly gain from a lamentation, which is just another bleak view of the world? And in truth, Yirmiyahu weaves a second subtle strand, another thread into the, to his words. And if we follow that thread, we can find an insight that will help us see the rays of light even in the hardest of times. Now, over the course of Eicha, an important thing happens, and that is the tune changes. In the opening two chapters, Jeremiah sounds, relatively speaking, closer to a historian talking about the Chorban. You can imagine him sitting in an armchair, smoking his pipe, reporting on the downfall of Israel. Ha'ir Abasi Am, the city of many people, the prince among nations, has become a tributary. And then there's a shift. In the third chapter, the historian gets out of his chair he sits in the ground and he weeps. Ani hagever. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod, he finally says. Jeremiah describes his personal trials. He is besieged. He is the laughingstock of his people. And then within that shift, 
there's another change. Because in the opening chapters, Jeremiah describes God allowing punishment to occur, but still God being somewhat detached. Hashem sent fire from on high. And now, and in chapter 3, God sounds much closer to a literal enemy. He bent his bow and made me a target for his arrow. He shot into my vitals, the arrows of his quiver. Well, if God was like an enemy in the early chapters, now in the third chapter, God is literally a bear, a lion in hiding. And if that's how he sees God, Jeremiah sounds like a prophet on the edge. You kind of have to wonder if he's going to leave God altogether. My soul despaired of having peace. I have forgotten goodness, he laments. These verses raise deep theological questions. How can God be the enemy? What is Jeremiah's relationship with God? Is he really on the edge, ready to throw his yarmulke and tzitzit into the Mediterranean? And as we begin to ask these questions, there is another twist. As dark as things seem, all of a sudden, in Echa 3.21, Jeremiah makes a pivot to hope. He remarks that God's kindnesses and compassion have not ended. Chazde Hashem kilo samnu kilo chalu rachamav. The kindness of God have not been exhausted. Chadashim lebakarim, Raba emunasecha. Your faithfulness is great. It renews itself every single morning. In these verses, we can see that Jeremiah is pointing to the way of hope. But understanding these verses is challenging. On the one hand, Jeremiah perceives God as an enemy. And at the same time, God's presence is a ray of light, of hope that pierces through a dark sky. Let's stand back for a moment. According to Jeremiah, is God really the enemy? By Yirmiyahu's own account, that cannot be because Yirmiyahu states in chapter 3 of Echa that God does not cause suffering without reason. And furthermore, there's an important Torah concept that God does not do evil. Every morning in Shachrit, we paraphrase Yeshayahu Isaiah, who states that Hashem is the God who makes, e- makes shalom, is Ose shalom, and Bore Ra, he creates evil or darkness. The Ramchal Das Tvunos explains that while creating Bria is, alludes to creation, that's something which is different than Asiya doing or making. While making or doing imply actual execution of a matter, Bria creation is the development of a matter in potential only. And this actually touches upon a Kabbalistic idea of Tzimtzum, where God allows his presence into the world but limits his presence and contracts his presence at the very same time, opening up the possibility for evil to occur in the world. And critically in all of this, God is not the direct instrument of bad or evil. He just gives it the space to exist in our world. God is not an enemy, but Jeremiah is in mourning and he shares the depth of his painful perception. He expresses his feeling that God is standing like an enemy. And Jeremiah starts closer to a historian, but the more he reflects on his situation, the more personal it becomes. 
And when it becomes personal, he cannot help but perceive that the pain, his pain, is connected to God. After all, Hashem, God, is the only true power in the world, and Jeremiah's world, after all, is falling apart. And these feelings lead him to an abrupt edge. God has walled up my roads and tangled my paths, he says. At the moment that all the paths seem blocked, suddenly there is hope. The kindnesses of God have not been exhausted. They renew themselves each morning. How great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah sees God's ceaseless kindness in daybreak in every morning. There was once a Hungarian Holocaust survivor who became a successful real estate developer in New York after World War II. Now, during the war, this man lost everything, his business, his wife, his children, his dignity. And when asked how he was able to rebuild himself, he explained that even in the most difficult of times, he always saw the light of God. On the darkest of days in the concentration camps, he looked up at the sky and he thanked God for the sun and for the breath of life. This insight also teaches us that God is our true light in life. And because Hashem is our life, our light, he's our source of satisfaction and success. I was recently reading a story of a, a woman, a young woman, who was asking her father upon his retirement, and this was a successful man by secular standards, she asked him if he had fulfilled his life dreams. He was a little taken aback by the question, and then he remarked that his greatest business accomplishments were actually not his success. His greatest success were his moral choices, standing aside his wife during her terminal illness, he said, and keeping the Ten Commandments most of the time, he said. And so material success is one thing, but moral integrity is the substance of life. His success was not money. It was being ethical with money. Success was not beautiful women. It was standing aside his wife in her hour of need. And that is the hope that we can have in every situation. We wake up each morning and we see that God is our light and God is our success. Were we to define success merely as material wealth or social thriving, we'd have a problem because at times things beyond our control ruin everything. The rug is pulled from our feet like my friend experienced. And so in such times, we need to see that God is our success. Jeremiah, at the end of the Tisha B'Av Haftarah that we read, teaches us that there is a form of, of success that we can find in all times. If we looked in the ninth chapter of Yirmiyahu, it says, So says Hashem, let not the wise man laud himself with, the wisdom, with his wisdom, and let not the strong man laud himself with his strength, and not the rich man laud himself with his wealth. Only with this may a person praise himself. Discernment in knowing me, for I am Hashem who does kindness, justice, and righteousness in the land, for in these I desire the words of God. As Jews, we have faced every situation imaginable from pogrom to Holocaust to Inquisition, and yet in all situations, we have succeeded in remarkable ways and continue to succeed even in our own challenging times today. And it starts by the fact that we see and thank the Creator for every breath, 
as we realize that our job is to know God. Knowing God is not merely study, though of course Torah learning is critical, but knowing God means that we walk in the ways of Hashem, like Avram knew Hashem by doing tzedakah and mishpat. And so it is with Jeremiah. First, there is the broad perception of tragedy of his people. He looks out almost like a historian, looking out, seeing a big, broad tragedy. And from there, he delves into his own personal tragedy. At the worst of it, he feels that God, the power of all powers, is causing him pain. And then there is that pivot. Yirmiyahu knows that God is the force behind the world. He wakes up and sees those rays of light cross the horizon. He realizes that God's kindness renews itself. He knows he can continue to find help and hope as he redefines success, not as material abundance, but rather as turning to God. Hashiveinu Hashem Eilachav and Ashuva, return us unto you, Hashem, and we shall return. And so Jeremiah teaches us that we're always connected to Hashem. We can find God's presence in the world. We sometimes need to change how we view success. And in the worst of times, we can still wake up in the morning and we can see that sunrise. And importantly, Yermiao asks, Eicha, how? The question itself points to a message or an answer. We might not understand the specifics of why this tragedy happened to that person but we see a world imbued with meaning. Jeremiah sees meaning in tribulation. This thread of hope is a message we, we apply to our own lives. And so the next time that your world feels dark or difficult, remember Yirmiyahu. Remember Jeremiah. Wake up in the morning and see the rays of light. God's kindnesses have not been exhausted. Chadashim lebekarim. They are renewed every morning. Rabba emunasecha, abundant is your faithfulness.